Hey everybody, and welcome to another episode of Bothell Amplified. Pastor Joe here. I am excited to be sharing with you the next sermon in our series called In. Uh, last week, we focused on being called in to self-care. Today, uh, we see how we are called in to connection and to community with one another. Uh, we draw from 2 Kings chapter 2, the story of Elijah and Elisha. And we see how God invites us to call each other in um, and to create the intentional relationships that it would take for us uh, to live into God's preferred future. Uh, check out the sermon here. Good morning. My name is Candace, and today is the second of our four-week series uh, called In. <clears throat> and we turn to 2 Kings chapter 2, verses 1 through 15. Now, when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven by a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way to Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha, stay here, for the Lord has sent me as far as Bethel. But Elisha said, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. The company of prophets who were in Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, do you know that today the Lord will take your master away from you? And he said, yes, I know. Keep silent. Elijah said to him, Elisha, stay here, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. But he said, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. The company of prophets who were at Jericho drew near Elisha and said to him, do you know that today the Lord will take your master away from you? And he answered, Yes, I know. Keep silent. Then Elijah said to him, Stay here, for the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. But he said, As the Lord lives, and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. Fifty men of the company of prophets also went and stood at some distance from them, as they both were standing by the Jordan. Then Elijah took his mantle and rolled it up and and struck the water. The water was parted to one side and to the other, and the two of them crossed on dry ground. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, tell me what I may do for you before I am taken from you. Elisha said, please let me inherit a double share of your spirit. He, re um, he responded, you have asked a hard thing, yet if you see me as I am being taken from you, it will be granted you. If not, it will not. As they continued walking and talking, a chariot of fire and horses of fire separated the two of them, and Elijah ascended into a whirlwind into heaven. Elisha kept watching and crying out, Father, Father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. But when he could no longer see him, he grasped his own clothes and tore them in two pieces. He picked up the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. He took the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and struck the water. He said, where is the Lord, the God of Elijah, where is he? He struck the water again and the water was parted to one side and to the other and Elisha crossed over. When the company of prophets who were at Jericho saw him at a distance, they declared, the spirit of Elijah rests on Elisha. They came to meet him and bowed to the ground before him. Holy words for God's people. 
Right. Good morning, church. Oh, come on. Good morning, church. <laughs> That's so good. Uh, it's so great to be with you. Again, my name is Joe. I get to uh, serve as lead pastor here. And I want to welcome you on to Bothell United Methodist Church, uh, where uh, we are on the unceded lands of the Stiligwamish, Coast Salish, and Duwamish peoples. Um, you know, this week, I, uh, my family and I, we celebrated a, uh, a festival holiday. It's called Chusok. Y'all say Chusok with me. One, two, three. Chusok. And say, Happy Chusok. Happy Chusok. Awesome. That's, uh, it's a way for us to celebrate our Thanksgiving, the gift of harvest, uh, the, the full moon festival and the harvest. And I posted about it online, right? I, I've been sharing a little bit about uh, my life, and uh, we wear uh, an outfit called the hanbok, and we have uh, traditional food. And I had somebody who, uh, who texted me and said, hey, I saw your post online, happy Chusok. And uh, this is a white person who has no idea what Chusok is until now, and it made me feel good. It made me feel really good. It, it felt like I was sharing a part of myself. Uh, I felt like they were investing in me. And it was important because I felt like we were able to celebrate difference together, that we didn't all have to be the same, right? And that we could celebrate the diversity and the community which we make together. And so I want to name that this morning as we get started, that uh, you are welcome here. We're so glad you are here. We want to celebrate all the differences and your unique experiences and identities that you bring with you. And especially if you have been uh, kept out or marginalized or, or pushed out of places of worship, we also want to especially say that you are welcome and that you belong. Uh, if you're black or brown or indigenous, if you've been discriminated against because of the color of your skin, know that you're welcome. Know that you belong. If you're gay or lesbian, transgender, bisexual, or questioning, know that you are welcome. Know that you belong. If you find yourself homeless or houseless or in the lower economic brackets of our community, if you're single or divorced, partnered or separated, know that you are welcome, know that you belong. Uh, with all of your unique gifts and abilities created to be bearers of Christ's image to all the world, know that you are welcome, know that you belong. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray together. Holy One, be present here and in all the places from which we are worshiping, move in us and through us that we too would be moved and changed. Speak to us, we pray. Less of me, more of you, none of me, all of you. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. So summer ended for me and my family this week. I know that there are a few weeks left until summer officially ends on September 23rd, but uh, summer ended for us when uh, our school district uh, started on Wednesday, and we marked that as the end of our summer. Uh, while it came a lot faster and, frankly, a lot more frantic than intended, um, it, it was still a joy to, to pray over our students and our teachers and administrators as they began uh, this new school year together. And maybe it was uh, because I was watching my own child grow up, but, but I was feeling pretty tender as I was uh, walking him to school on that first day. You know, we talked about uh, the day to come. We, we talked about his hopes for the year. We talked about where his desk was and who he would be sitting around. And as I waved to him as he was walking into school, as I was watching him go through the doors, uh, I couldn't also help but take in the fullness of that moment. Because there's something about the sound of laughter, right? There's something about kids exclaiming in joy as they greet their friends that they hadn't seen for a little while. There's an excitement of energy. There, there was this rush of running that you could just feel. It's not always like that. <laughs> 
In fact, the other week, uh, we were having a play date with another family uh, over at our house, and, and just, they couldn't agree on anything. You know, one of them was always doing something wrong, according to the other one. Uh, they were constantly bickering over who would go first, or, or who would get to choose what's next, or, or whose imaginary world they were playing in. What fascinated me, though, was this. Within minutes, within moments even, they would be then off, soaring to save the world, or they would be going to find their next adventure, or to dig in and find the next costume or toy or whatever it might be. And, and as I was listening to their interactions, I, I was listening from afar. I'm trying not to be a helicopter parent, but I, uh, as I was listening from a little bit over here, just the conversations they were having, I started to realize how they were able to play together as if nothing just happened. See, their interactions and their conflicts and their disagreements, they were about how they would play together, not whether or not they would play together. I don't mean to sound like our kids are so emotionally aware and intelligent that they don't have conflict. They do. And, uh, you know, often we have to go and regulate and, and have alone time and, and apologize and, and learn together. But on that day, it was pretty amazing what I was witnessing, to, to see the disagreements that they were having to be for the purpose of playing together. If that doesn't capture the difference between called out and called in, I'm not sure what does, Right? Rather than pushing away or alienating the other, they, they called each other in to play together. I don't like what you're doing. This isn't right. We should do it this way or that way. And then they work it out. And then they play more. And calling in invites the other into relationship. And, and that's what I want to spend a little bit of time this morning talking about. What does it mean to be called in to relationship, to be called in to connection? Okay? So last week, we met the prophet Elijah soon after his victory over King Ahab, right? And he's on the run because Queen Jezebel sends him word that she's going to kill him. And Elijah, he fears for his life, so he runs for a hundred miles as far as he can. He sits down under a tree, and he's ready to die. And while there, he's given food and drink, and he's given the space to rest, to be. And this is where we meet Elisha for the first time. See, see after Elijah eats, and after he drinks, and after he rests, he stands uh, on the mountain, and he's waiting for the Lord to pass by. And while he's on the mountain, we hear of these awe-striking movements. There's a great wind so strong that it splits the mountain, that these rocks crumble into pieces. And then there's an earthquake, and then there's a fire. And the Lord was not in the wind or the earthquake or the fire. Instead, the Lord was in the sound of sheer silence. I'm just going to say at the 9 o'clock service, that worked better because it was actually silent. <laughs> so there's a strong moment there. <laughs> Lord asked, hey, Elijah, what are you doing here? Why are you here? And the Lord goes on to give him instructions, right? Go anoint a new king over Aram, right? The Syria region. Go anoint a new king over Israel. And then go and anoint Elisha. 
anoint Elisha as a prophet in your place. I want you to remember that the region at this time is going through turmoil. They're going through instability, right? King David, he, he serves for 40 years as king, and he uh, unites all 12 tribes into one kingdom. And then his son Solomon, he goes on to carry on that future, that vision, and they prosper because Solomon builds the temple and they worship faithfully to the one who is God. But when Solomon dies, the, the, the kingdom splits. His sons start vying for power, and we, we find that there's two kingdoms. The, the ten northern tribes, uh, they make up the northern kingdom of Israel. The two southern tribes, the uh, Judah and Benjamin, they make up Judah. And both kingdoms, they have their own issues, right? The northern kingdom, they start with uh, King Jeroboam, who, who builds these competing sanctuaries, these competing temples, and creates all this conflict, internal religious conflict, that leads the kingdom to disobedience and destruction. The southern kingdom, these kings start coming and raised up uh, uh, as they uh, not follow God. They lead the people towards disobedience, and they follow their own ambitions and their own desires. And in this instability... Through all the transitions that are happening around them, God instructs Elijah to go ahead and to find and anoint the one who would come after him as prophet. I wonder what it would look like for us if we were to go ahead and anoint the one who would come after us. With all that's happening in our world, the injustices, the brokenness, the instability, the transitions, the the sometimes peaceful transition of power and often not, with with all that's happening in our church, in our community, with with the breaking up of our denomination, for the staff transitions here at Bothell, with all that's happening around us in the world and in the church and in communities, are we being intentional in raising up people to journey alongside us? Are we being intentional to anoint others for a time that would come after us? Alicia, he, he begins as a farmer. He's literally in the field working uh, when Elijah finds them. He's, he's with his oxen. And when Elijah passes him, Elijah takes his mantle, this is our gar- garment, and throws it on Elisha, anointing him. And then we don't hear from him for the next six chapters. And our text opens with this statement, this abrupt statement, now when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven by a whirlwind. Nothing in First or Second Kings gives us any indication that this was all according to plan, that this was supposed to happen, that there would be a chariot and, and horses of fire with Elijah ascending to heaven. But here we are. We're here with this statement of fact, and I'm left to wonder what else the text is trying to reveal to us, because what happened to Elijah is not normal. It's not even a little common. People don't get to heaven that way, right? People die. People live their lives not knowing when their time will be, and then they die, and they pass on their legacy to the next. And we just saw this, right, with the death of Queen Elizabeth passing on the role and title to her son, now King Charles III. That's how it's supposed to happen. But in this case... The author is telling us readers to buckle in because nothing about this time is normal. Things will not go on as it always has been, how it's supposed to be, quote unquote, right? God is doing a new thing, so don't expect anymore the same old, same old. 
See, Elijah and Elisha, they they were not like those who fulfilled prophetic responsibilities in the past. They were leaders who were also being prophetic, people like Moses and, and Deborah and Samuel. These leaders were already in these positions of leadership, and they were blessed by the closeness to God's heart, and in turn, they led their people toward God and God's vision for the world. But Elijah and Elisha, they, they, they were called to be prophets in a different way, in a new way. They were, they were outside the system. They were called by God to speak against that same system. They were called by God to challenge the power and principalities of injustice and brokenness. And so they performed miracles. They healed And they called God's people to repent, to to change their ways, and to turn back to God. And after Elijah and Elisha, more prophets would be raised up, and and they would take on the posture and power of these new prophetic forefathers, people like Isaiah and Jeremiah, Haggai, Zechariah, Amos, and others. They were the ones who came in to challenge the systems, not in their role as people who were already leaders, but to challenge the systems that they were living in and amongst. This is new. This is bold. God is bringing forth a new era of prophetic voices. But here's what I love about our text. See, in our our story, after they journey across the region, and after Elijah takes his mantle, rolls it up, and strikes the water of the Jordan so that the waters would part and they cross onto dry land, Elijah turns to his friend Elisha and says, what can I do for you before I'm taken from you? Basically, what, what do you want from me? What do you want me to leave you? Because I'm, I'm going to go soon. And Elisha, he responds, please let me inherit a double share of your spirit. A double share. I love that. A double share of your spirit. Go back with me. Remember uh, when Elijah found Elisha in the field and anointed him, uh, that was back in chapter 19 of 1 Kings. And we don't know what happens between then and our text today, chapter 2. There's no mention of Elisha in those span of those chapters, and it, but it must have been a lot, right? Because this request of Elisha is deeply rooted in the inheritance regulations that we find in Deuteronomy, in chapter 21, right? So in Deuteronomy, there's, there's a decree, there's a, there's a, there's a, a rule, right? There's a, there's a thing that happens where every firstborn son is entitled to receive a double portion of inheritance, and it's because he will be responsible for carrying on the work and the efforts of the Father. So in our case, in those years between the field and now these banks of the Jordan River, those must have been so powerful, so special, so much so that their relationship is not only one of mentor and mentee or master and apprentice. Their their relationship goes so deep that Elisha now sees Elijah as a father And knowing that the world is about to change, knowing that his world is about to change, Elisha asks Elijah now for a double share of his spirit. Because the road is going to be hard, 
but I will carry on your work. And it's as if we're watching the end of a movie, right, that, that is teasing out the sequel, because we see Alicia now pick up that, that mantle that fell from the sky, his father's mantle, and just like his father did before him, he rolls up that mantle, and just like his father before him, he strikes the water, and the waters part. And just like his father before him, he walks across to dry land scene. What a relationship. What a connection that must have been to trust so fully in God's promise for the world that he would be willing to ask for that double share of inheritance. Because the work ahead is hard and the journey will be long. But I'm committed to the work anyway. This is what it means to be called in, right? To remember and to acknowledge that we do not do this journey alone. But to remember and acknowledge that we have to also be intentional in creating relationships with people to journey, right? To empower and to pass on the gifts and graces and the double shares of our spirits to those who will come after us, knowing that the work is not easy. And maybe it's in the calling in and in those connections and in those relationships and in our love, maybe we will be able to live more fully into God's preferred future of hope and justice and peace and love, if not for us, for those who come after, for the world we leave behind. Because in the creating of those relationships, we get to experience what it means to be called in and to share in the heavy burden of all that is ahead. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Holy One, we, we thank you for the reminder of what it means to be in community, to trust that we do not do this holy work alone. And so we pray, oh God, that you would be with us, that you would journey with us, that you would allow us to let go of all with which we hold on tightly, and that we would share in this holy work, that we would call each other in and create community and relationship and love together. Make us bold, for it is in your name we pray, amen. All right, so that was the second sermon of the series. We are halfway there, uh, two more sermons to go. Uh, today, uh, it was great to just be able to challenge one another and to reflect on the legacy of those who came before us and to think about the legacy each one of us is leaving behind. And so we challenged our folk today uh, to be intentional about uh, thinking through this week, uh, who uh, inspired us, who cared for us, who loved on us uh, in the past, and who we might uh, be mentoring and who we might be uh, connecting with intentionally so that we can uh, work together and to uh, live into a God's preferred future. Uh, we hope you have a wonderful week wherever you are, and we look forward to uh, bringing forth the next sermon. Uh, check us out next week uh, here on Bothell Amplified. See you later.